Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in the one body. The peace of Christ be with you. The Lord, creator of heaven and earth, grace to you and peace from God, our creator and the Lord Jesus. Let us come into God's presence with thanksgiving. The Holy One is a great God and a ruler above all gods. The sea belongs to the creator who made it and also the dry land which God's hands formed. For the one who formed us and all the world is our God. And we are the people of God's pasture and the sheep of God's hand. Come, let us worship the Lord. Please join me in your bulletin in the prayer of confession. God, the fount of every blessing, your streams of mercy never cease to flow. Why do we, at the first sign of trouble, begin to doubt you? We harden our hearts, insisting you solve the problems we put to you. We quarrel amongst ourselves and hoard what we fear we might lose. We abandon hope though you shower us with your love and power. Do not be angry with us, Lord. Forgive our faithless hearts and make them more like yours, steadfast and full of love. Holy God, holy and mighty, holy immortal one, have mercy upon us. upon us, Lamb of God. O Christ, have mercy upon us. Grant us your peace. Hear this good news. Jesus said, My peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Do not let your hearts be troubled, and do not be afraid. With these words we know, therefore, in Christ we stand forgiven. Thanks be to God. Hear what the prophet says. He has told you, O mortal, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you, but to do justice, and to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God. And so let us live. first reading from scripture today is a long passage, and Martha will be reading it uh, from the 
new international version, but I wanted you to be aware that it is not printed in the bulletin because of its length. Uh, it is the story of the Samaritan woman at the well. As we come to the word of God, let's have a word of prayer. Lift up your hearts. Let us lift them to the Lord our God. God of call, God of transformation, God of the Lenten journey, help us to discern your will, your still, small voice. Open us to change and growth that we may walk with Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. Jesus talks with a Samaritan woman. So he came to a town of Samaria called Sychar, near the field that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there. So Jesus, wearied as he was from his journey, was sitting beside the well. It was about the sixth hour. A woman from Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw water with, and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us the well and drank the, uh, from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock. Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks from the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I get will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water. Jesus said to her, Go, call your husband and come here. The woman answered him, I have no husband. And Jesus said to her, You are right in saying I have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one you now have is not your husband. What you have said is true. The woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Uh, our fathers worshipped on this mountain, but you say that in Jerusalem uh, let me see, is the place where people ought to worship. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming, he who is called Christ. 
When he comes, he will tell us all these things. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. Just then his disciples came back. They marveled that he was talking with a woman, but no one said, What do you seek, or why are you talking with her? So the woman left her water jar and went away into town and said to the people, Come, see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? They went out of the town and were coming to him. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging him, saying, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you do not know about. So the disciples said to one another, Has anyone brought him something to eat? Jesus said to him, to them, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. Do you not say there are yet four months, then comes the harvest? Look, I tell you, lift up your eyes and see that the fields are white for harvest. Already the one who reaps is receiving wages and gathering fruit for eternal life, so that sower and reaper may rejoice together. For here the saying holds true, one sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap that for which you did not labor. Others have labored, and you have entered into their labor. Many Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me all that I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with them, and he stayed there for two days. And many more believed because of his word. They said to the woman, It is no longer because of what you said that we believe, for we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this is indeed the Savior of the world. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. There are so many times when we read the stories of the New Testament that after the reading of the story, you simply just want to sit down and realize the sermon's already been preached. That is one of them from the Gospel of John. The second lesson today comes to us from Psalm 95 where we are exhorted to praise God, who is sovereign. O come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come into his presence with thanksgiving. Let us make a joyful noise to him with songs of praise. For the Lord is a great God and a great king above all gods. In his hand are the depths of the earth. The heights of the mountains are also his. The sea is his, for he made it, and the dry land which his hands have formed. O come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our Maker. For he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture, and the sheep of his hand. O that today you would listen to his voice. Do not harden your hearts as at Meribah, as on the day of Matt and Massa in the wilderness, when your ancestors tested me and put me to the proof, though they had seen my work. For forty years I loathed that generation and said, They are a people whose hearts go astray, and they do not regard my ways. Therefore in my anger I swore, They shall not enter my rest. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I'd like to talk to you today about worship. 
There is a conversation going on on the internet right now among folks in the Reformed Church. This past week, I read a comment that I have been trying to penetrate its meaning. Someone wrote a statement to the nature of, of, um, of these words. When I go to worship, I go to contemplate God and to listen for God's will. I don't go for a worship experience. I've been thinking about that for days in light of the text from the psalm today. It was in a larger conversation about uh, contemporary worship versus traditional worship, blended worship, um, the use of um, contemporary music, uh, uh, screens in the worship, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And, uh, you know, everyone has their opinion about that. And uh, there have been actually um, conversations in some denominations which have been labeled worship wars, even. Uh, We kind of like that word these days for some reason. But... um, In the context of this conversation, I began to ask myself, really, what do we believe about worship? And what is so beautifully uh, displayed in the text that we read today is that even in the conversation that Jesus has with the woman at the well in Sychar, the conversation ends up if you will, talking about worship. Jesus, in his conversation with this woman, tells her things that not a stranger would know about her, that she's been married several times and that the man she's living with isn't her husband. I find that statement a little strange, considering my mother keeps saying to me that these are evil days and people do evil things. Um... I think that, uh, I believe I remember, Tom, that uh, common law marriage was a Roman law, uh, not an American one. So I think these evil days have been with us for quite a while. And in the conversation with the woman from Sychar, Jesus doesn't let her escape. Now, typically, when you're put on the, on the, um, the carpet, shall we say, the typical response of religious folk, of course, is to go to two different things, which a lady from Sychar does very, very beautifully. First, she goes to orthodoxy. You know, you think that people only worship God in Jerusalem, but I think that they worship God here in Samaria. It becomes an issue of orthodoxy. Who is the most orthodox? Who worships God rightly? And that's the question she poses to Jesus. And he says to her, you know, we're not going to play that game. We're not going to play that game because you know as well as I do that salvation comes from the Jews. But that the reality is God is not going to be worshipped in either place very soon. That there is no place that contains God. And that, you see, is the message of the psalm as well. 
The beginning of the psalm points out that this God that we worship is the creator of the universe. When my children were in high school, they were homeschooled, and we did their science program through a program called Earthwatch. Earthwatch just recently published a research project uh, that was done by an international research uh, uh, organization um, in in the ocean depths, and they published the report saying that there were some 6,000 new species of sea life discovered in this research that have never been identified before, and that they had sections of the ocean which they had never even gone to yet. And the response to the research and the part of the researchers themselves was a sense of wonder and awe at this thing called the ocean and its life. That is exactly the kind of awe that the psalm calls us to. This creator God that we worship is a God that creates the human body with all of its mysteries and intricacies and the great world in which we live, the universe which we still try to understand and explain. And its intricacies and its depths and uh, its uh, avenues of knowledge remain in many ways still hidden from us. And that draws us or brings us to worship. But then, after Jesus changes the, shifts the conversation, what does she begin to say? What's the second lesson or the second religious theme that she goes by? Well, I know that there's a Messiah coming, she says. You know, it's, I know how to get saved. I know what it means to be a saved Christian, a born-again Christian. I know what it takes to be a follower of God or of Jesus Christ. And Jesus very quickly allows, does not allow her to play that game either. Because he goes on to point out very clearly that this redeeming relationship with God is as much a mystery as it is a clarity. And the psalm also points that out. The psalm says that we are, in fact, the people of God's pasture and the sheep of God's hand. That we are in some way, shape, or form related to God in a redemptive manner, in a redemptive way, in a covenantal way such that God has special care for us, special concern for us, special delight in who we are. Now that we know all that, we are faced with the reality of how does our worship really affect or become part of our life? You and I have always had to deal with those conversations when there's a crisis or when there's a, a uh, catastrophe, like the tsunami in Japan or the flooding of the river or uh, the killing of people, innocent people, by some crazy uh, in somewhere in the, in the country or in the world. And we begin to get the questions, why does God allow that? Why does God permit that? What, how, what kind of God lets that happen? Okay. 
And the psalmist knows about that as well. The psalmist is prepared for that. Because the psalmist says, Do not harden your hearts as at Meribah, as on the day at Massa in the wilderness, when your ancestors tested me and put me to the proof, though they had seen my work. The story of Meribah, do you remember it? They're in the wilderness, the Jewish people, and they're thirsty, and there's no water to drink in the desert. And so they go complaining to Moses. And Moses gets so tired of the complaining, what does he do? He takes the staff, the staff that represents his covenant leadership over the people, and he strikes the rock to make the water come. Right? And it is disobedience. It was disobedience for him to do that. What Moses did did not demonstrate that God would provide. In his anger, Moses did something that God did not condone. And in that same way, in that same stretch of thought, Jesus says to the woman at Sychar, well, I will give you water that you can't get from this well. I will give you water that springs up inside of you, fresh, every day. I will give you water that will not grow stale in a font or a bowl or a sink or a tub. I will give you fresh water that renews you every moment of every day. And that water will be of a quality that you will never be able to exhaust or quench. It will nourish and feed you for all of time. The psalm is very clear. God did not like what happened at Meribah, and he swore he would never let them see the promised land. And that generation did not. But God is not a God of vengeance towards his own people. The discipline of 40 years in the desert brought the entrance into the Holy Land of Joshua. And if you remember, Moses himself never even entered He saw it from the mountaintop. But when Joshua takes them in, they are celebrating, they are rejoicing, they are worshiping, and they are singing. And that, you see, is the lesson of Psalm 95. If you understand that God that we worship is our creator, our redeemer, and the life he gives us is a life that is constantly renewing and refreshing us, You can do nothing but sing. The woman at Sychar goes back into town and says, you won't believe this. And she tells the story about how Jesus knew things about her that no one else would have. And the story becomes attractive. Why? Because people like mystery. They like it when someone knows something they shouldn't. That kind of mystery, I mean, that's what sells yellow journalism in the United States. It's that I know something you don't know, and now I can tell. And what happens? Jesus comes to them, spends two days, and what is their testimony? (laughs) We're not convinced that he's the Messiah because of your story. Now we're convinced that he's the Messiah because he knows our story. That, you see, is our work, if you will. 
we go into the world telling our story, allowing God to use our story to bring people to the feet of Jesus where he can tell them their story. And that, you see, is the way we live our worship. You have said to us, O Lord, what is good and what you really require of us. It is to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with you. We now sing a song of woe, O Lord, in the shadowy brokenness of our lives. But your word alone nourishes us in spirit and in truth to journey on. And for this we give you thanks and praise through Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen. two questions and answers from the Heidelberg Catechism, please stand with me now and let us confess our faith together. Together we confess our faith saying, I believe that God, because of Christ's atonement, will never hold against me any of my sins, nor my sinful nature, which I need to struggle against all my life. Rather, in his grace, God grants me the righteousness of Christ to free me forever from judgment. Through Christ's death, our old selves are crucified, put to death, and buried with him, so that the evil desires of the flesh may no longer rule us, but that instead we may dedicate ourselves as an offering of gratitude to him. Let us pray. Father in heaven, we thank you. We thank you for the way you love us, the way you provide for us, and the way you give us opportunities to share our life with others. The gifts that we give are only tokens of the giving of our whole selves to you. We ask your blessing and your grace be poured out upon us for your son's sake, in whose name we pray. Amen. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is any cheerful? Let him sing praise. Is any among you sick? Let him call on the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the sick man, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another, that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous man has great power in its effects. Let us pray. O God the Father, whose will for us and for all your people is health and salvation, have mercy on us and hear our prayer. O God the Son, who came that we might have life and have it in abundance, have mercy on us and hear our prayer. 
O God, the Holy Spirit, whose indwelling makes our bodies the temples of your presence, have mercy on us and hear our prayer. O triune God, we pray you to hear us and that you will grant your grace to all who stand in need of healing, both of body and spirit, and lead them to look with confidence to you, especially, O the people of Libya, Japan, the Ivory Coast. O wise God, we pray you to hear us, and that in your providential grace you will grant guidance, discernment, and direction to all in need of it, and lead them to look with confidence to you, especially the Beardsley family on the loss of Edith, the Brewer family on the loss of Robin, and the Ware family on the loss of Velma Ware. Also for Diane, Rosemary, Tom, and those having birthdays this past month, Ellie, Emily Howarth, Patrick Paley, Will Christensen, Pat Howarth, George Wade, Ruth Paik, Larry Ware, Hap Harris, Tom Williamson, and Sharon Bullhauer. O God, who in Jesus Christ called us out of the darkness into your marvelous light, enable us always to declare your wonderful deeds, thank you for your steadfast love, and praise you with heart, soul, mind, and strength, now and forever. Amen. In the name of the Lord Jesus, who set forth his disciples to preach the kingdom of God and to heal, we invite you who wish to receive the laying on of hands and the anointing with oil to come forward. If you desire us to come to you, please raise your hand or ask a neighbor to do so for you. We invite all here present to participate in this act of faith through the offering of silent prayers for those who seek Christian healing. Let us pray the prayer of thanksgiving together. Most gracious God, source of all healing, we give thanks to you for all your gifts, but most of all for the gift of your Son, through whom you gave and still give health and salvation to all who believe. As we wait in expectation for the coming of that day, when suffering and pain shall be no more, help us by your Holy Spirit to be assured of your power in our lives and to trust in your eternal love. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who taught us boldly to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Worship today, I want to invite everyone who is visiting with us uh, to join us for refreshments immediately after the service in the Bellhauer Parlor across the way in Demarest Hall. Uh, are there any announcements that need to be made today? Uh, I, I want to remind you of the memorial service next Sunday afternoon at 3 uh, for Edith Beardsley and her family. Any others? Then let's stand to sing hymn number 161 in the green hymnal.
And now whether you sing or shout or cry or pray, may the grace of Jesus Christ, the love of God our Father and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you now until Christ returns for us in glory and then forever. And all of God's people said, Amen. Amen.